Welcome to the Lonnie Swain Show podcast. I'm your host, Lonnie Swain. I'm a media personality, correspondent, and digital influencer. My career has required that I make many cross-country relocations, starting out in my hometown of New Orleans, going to Baltimore, St. Louis, Chicago, Dallas, and ultimately back to New Orleans. I've had to start over and reinvent myself many times, which has made for interesting experiences, opportunities, and of course, some obstacles. The purpose of this show is to remind you that everyone has to go through something to get somewhere. I'll share my personal testimonials, trials, and tips, and invite guests to share theirs, all in hopes of inspiring you to live your best and most authentic personal and professional life, encouraging self-love and self-care. Thank you so much for listening. Now let's get into the show. Oftentimes in life, we get a case of the shoulds. I should be doing this. I shouldn't have done this. My parents think I should be doing this. And today's episode is all about how to debunk those shoulds and to reject who and what you think you should be doing and embrace who you actually are. So today's guest is Kimberly Doley. She is a native New Orleanian who is a practicing energy healer, transformational life coach, yoga and mindfulness teacher, and co-host of a weekly radio show about women's health called The Wellbeing on WBOK 1230 AM. Through her transformational coaching and energy healing work with individuals and groups, she creates, develops, and facilitates programs to assist her clients with creating impactful energetic shifts in key areas of their their lives for better health and higher energy so they can live more intentional, fulfilling, purposeful lives aligned with their passions. She also teaches yoga and mindfulness to children and teens through local nonprofits, Navigate NOLA and the Beautiful Foundation, and to adults through group classes at the Church of Yoga and Free to Be Power Yoga and through private classes. Kimberly is a natural living and healing enthusiast and an eternal student. She is continuing her studies through additional trainings in yoga, yoga therapy, Reiki energy practices and by deepening into her own healing journey. Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be here and I always love our chat. So it'll be nice to have everyone else get the benefit of everything that we always talk about. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And as I was reading your bio, I was thinking about it when people hear, you know, she's working to live purposely and she's, you know, inspiring and all these things. People have to know that that comes with a lot of internal work to get to the place where you can, can help other people. And a lot of times you have your own journey that you have walked through and are currently walking through. And that's the part that I really like sharing with other people. And that's really a lot of what this podcast is about. I say everybody has to go through something to get somewhere. And a lot of times we don't know what everyone's story is. And so I'm happy to have you share yours. So in, in alignment with today's topic, in honor of National Let It Go Day, which is June 23rd, how, how have you had your own journey of letting go of what and who you thought you should be? Well, it's a really interesting journey and you're so right about about everything that you just said. It is really challenging to walk this path. And people, when I tell them my story, I, I forget how interesting some people may find it because to me, it was like I had to do this. It wasn't a question of bravery. It wasn't a question of, of anything other than like I got to a point in my life where I was so unhappy and felt so 
drained and just like I've had it. And so the only thing I could do was to move on and to do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so change was not optional. Change was not optional. <laughs> well, what I'm learning is that we don't have to get to that point. We can like, really pay attention to ourselves and to all the signs because I had all of the signs showing me that I was not in a place that was healthy for me. And it took me a really long time to get to my breaking point, which is a testament to my strength and my ability to just like go with the flow and endure. But I was really in a very sad state, just kind of on automatic pilot and not really in touch with myself and my own sense of joy and purpose and fulfillment. And it had a lot to do with the expectations of others, people in my family, what I'd learned through school and education about what we're meant to do after, expectations of society, and just all the people around me. And I don't think I ever really took the opportunity to check in with myself and say, you know, is this really going to make you happy? Like, think about the life that you're going to live once you make all these decisions about career and profession and where you move and, you know, rising up the corporate ladder in whatever profession I chose. I didn't think about any of those things. I was really focused on everyone else's fears and everyone else's worries and insecurities. I really took those to heart. I'm someone that learns. I try to learn lessons from other people so that I don't have to go through them sometimes. Mm -hmm. And there's so much value in learning our own lessons and walking our own path. And I ended up after college, I finished college a semester early I was really eager to go out into the work world. But as that time approached, I realized that I was going to really be missing out on my last semester of college. But there it was. It was time for me to graduate. And I had a job lined up for me already. Which most people would be really excited about. And parents would be saying, that's right. right. That's what you should be doing. (laughs) That's what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. Well, um, this was a job on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, which um, a family member had arranged for me. And I thought it was just going to be an internship. I'm going to go back to school after this internship and I'm going to look for a job. I'm going to travel and have time to develop all these interests. Well, I got there. The internship turned into a full-time job. I had already moved everything. And so my parents and the family member who arranged the job was like, you might as well just stay. Mm-hmm. And so that turned into a four and a half year job which I hadn't intended on staying at that long, but it was lined up for me and it was a good job. I got a lot of great experience. I was working on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange and it happened to be right around the time of September 11th when the recession hit right after September 11th. Everyone was having so much trouble finding jobs. So I found myself in this position of being stuck and not being able to really changed careers because the job market was so tight at the time. So many people were unemployed. I had friends collecting unemployment who had been laid off from their job. And it was just a really hard climate to be coming out of college and not being totally satisfied. So it was an an issue of just like, be content. You have a really well-paying job in New York and you're living a life that most people would dream of, except that it left me with a lot of health issues. It was a really overwhelming place to work. The people there are under a lot of stress. So stress doesn't make people nice a lot of times, especially when there's a lot of money involved. So right, right. I, I, was, <laughs> I was 
not really treated very well by very stressed out people who who were probably also not living their path and purpose and living up to other people's expectations. But I eventually decided that enough was enough. My health was not worth suffering for. And so I started to think about grad school, thought about going to business school. Business school didn't really look like a very promising path because of the job market. And so I thought law school. I know lawyers are so secure and this is what had been fed to me. Like you want a secure job. You want something that is going to allow you to take care of yourself and have all the comforts of life. Mm. Um, that was stressed over and over again. And it was like this fear of not being able to care for myself kept coming up. And so my focus became, okay, what is going to be the most secure thing that is going to help me to take care of myself? Well, lawyers, everyone needs lawyers. So I went to law school knowing that my dad is a lawyer. I have never been interested in the practice of law, but I'm going to do something different. I'm going to be a corporate lawyer and work on exciting and interesting transactions. Again, not thinking about the fact that I'm going to be sitting at a desk all day. Mm-hmm. I hate sitting and having to focus and read all day. I hate working on the same thing that requires lots of little details. And here I was taking that path. So I ended right. up going to law school. I went to NYU. Everyone was like, yeah, great school. Mm-hmm. Number four law school in the country. Mm-hmm. Also, the most expensive law school in the country <laughs> at the time. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was really lucky because I only had to take out a few loans. My parents helped me out. I got a little bit of a scholarship or a lot of a scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, but New York City is so expensive to live. So I still had loans, but it wasn't nearly as bad as some of my friends had to take out like mm-hmm. mortgages for school loans. Right. Um, and so put my head down, made it through law school. And it was a great experience. I learned a ton. I traveled a ton. I was not expecting to have that opportunity. I worked at a really great law firm that was the largest law firm in the world at the time. Mm-hmm. And it had promises of really interesting work, lots of opportunities to work with people from other countries, work on different types of deals. And what really excited me was all this learning and all this exposure that I was going to get. And I took the bar, I passed. It was time to start work. And a few days before work started, Lehman Brothers collapsed. And so the financial markets were in turmoil. And a lot of people were immediately laid off from law firms, which was unheard of. That was not something that ever happened. So here's my little bubble of safety that I had put all my hopes into living up to the expectations of other people. And I'll just say, I I didn't share this part, and this is really important. This is probably like the crux of um, what we're talking about. When I told my dad I got into law school, Mm -hmm. he told me that I had answered all of his prayers in life. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) The the pressure. (laughs) The pressure. (laughs) So, I mean, just think like someone, all of someone's hopes and dreams like put onto you with the power of prayer. I believe in the power of the mind (laughs) and the power of prayer and tapping into these like higher energy systems. And my dad had put all of his energy into me going to law school. <laughs> like how, how am I supposed to fight that? Especially right. when, or resist that when I hadn't even taken the time to figure out what 
it was that filled me up and what that was that would make me really excited to go to work today right? Um, or every day. So I start my job under like the worst conditions. People are afraid. People are, work is drying up. And like you have to work and prove yourself at a law firm to get more work. It's a very entrepreneurial system, actually, in law firms. You kind of find people that gravitate towards you. You ask them if they need help with things. You kind of like really have to wheel and deal to get good work until you get a steady flow of it or you find people that, you know, need you for a series of transactions. Mm-hmm. And that just wasn't really available at the time that I started. And like the billable hour at a law firm is so precious. And so we didn't have very many. And I got lucky enough to be put on a few projects that like, kept me with enough hours to be okay. And like, people that didn't pass the bar at my firm got laid off. People that didn't have a lot of work and maybe didn't have as much experience working in the real world, they got laid off. And so it was a really, again, a tough time to change jobs if mm-hmm. you had some dissatisfaction around your job. And I ended up being at my law firm for about four years and the conditions were just miserable. And I think it, a lot of it was self-imposed. Like I was not excited about doing the work that I was doing. So it took me longer to do it. I wasn't motivated. I didn't have balance in my life. I didn't have like other outlets to help me to be a whole person. I just kind of shut off one part of me and went into autopilot and just worked and worked. I was there until two or three in the morning, most nights. And um, I just had no life and my health started to suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a nine centimeter fibroid, um, which is about the equivalent of like a 12 week fetus. Oh, wow. That I developed. And it was a circulation problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. circulation. So sitting at my desk all day, not getting blood and energy flowing, I developed this health issue and it was causing me so much suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a six month period. I had really horrible cramps all the time. It just kind of debilitated my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't have a life anyway, but it really made even going to work really challenging. I lived five blocks from work and I know many women have this experience and hopefully no one has to have this experience. But I, by the time I got to work one day, I had to buy a new pair of pants because I had had a little accident on the way to work. And so just like all of these really horrible health issues, but what really made me make a shift was that someone was going on maternity leave and I was going to have to absorb some of her work. Mm. And I was just totally at my breaking point. And to go back one step, I actually had um, surgery to remove my fibroid. And so I had six weeks off. And we used to dream at work about what can we have happen to us that's not too damaging <laughs> that will allow us time off, <laughs> that we won't be expected to like be on our computers. So like maybe something happened that we can't type, we can't look at our computers. Uh, we would just come up with the craziest things. And this is no way to live. I don't encourage anyone to get to the point and they're working, but I just didn't see a way out. And this person going on maternity leave was such a huge wake up call for me and really precipitated me taking action towards getting out of there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have time to look for a new job. So for me, it just looked like 
quitting my job and moving home and knowing that something was going to work out because home is a safe place. Home is where I know people, I have connections, and hopefully someone will believe in my abilities and worth and hire me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what that meant, though. You are still really young. Could you tell us, like, around how old you were when all of this is going on? Oh, at this point, let's see. I was probably late 20s, early 30s. Because I think... So that's another thing that I feel like with the shoulds that everybody has this age timeline of like, oh, I'm, you know, approaching 30, especially I think even more so in the South. It's like, oh, I'm I'm 30. I should be married with kids and a steady job. And, you know, I, I shouldn't be making transitions and changes. You know, it's like I should be settling in. And I think that a lot of people have that. Did you have any of that pressure of feeling like I'm this age and I, you know, was that even a thought for you at that time? Uh, It really was because I had watched my 20s kind of slip away and I was into my 30s. And so it's kind of like, okay, I haven't really made time for anything else in my life. I haven't made time for relationships that we're going to sustain and support me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I, um, yeah, it was definitely on my mind. Like mm-hmm. I can't spend my entire thirties working. Even if I'm in a relationship, I'm not available to support the relationship. So I ended up being in relationships with people who had similar lives to me. And we were on conference calls or like on speakerphone doing work at midnight, like just to be in each other's presence. And That is not a way to live. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so when you came to this conclusion that you were going to quit your job and move back home, how did you tell your father? Oh, he was encouraging me. He He was. was. This is not, he was encouraging me. He said, this is not good for you. This is not healthy. If you're not happy, if you're working this much, you just need to quit your job and come home. Now, I think he thought that meant that I would come home and help practice him. Law. <laughs> like do, practice law, do all these other things, which happened at first. When I moved home, I ended up doing a little bit of freelance work and then got a job at the Department of Revenue. I moved to Baton Rouge, which for a New Orleans girl is like, oh, I'm moving to Baton Rouge. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But I but I actually really enjoyed my time there. Baton Rouge was a really peaceful retreat for me. So like um it was really hard to integrate myself back into life in New Orleans to go from being so high energy in New York, having someone constantly needing me, being attached to my Blackberry. It shows how long ago that was. Attached to my Blackberry and just like not in the most healthy mindset Mm -hmm. and to come home and to shift gears so quickly, especially at first when I didn't have anything to do, it was, I I thought I was going to go crazy. My mind was so busy. (laughs) It was a huge, it was a huge energetic shift. And, you know, there's something to be said for like setting up a little something for yourself ahead of time, like having some kind of something to step into Mm -hmm. just to, just to keep that energy moving. And so this job in Baton Rouge was really a godsend. And um, 
helped me to integrate myself back into life in Louisiana in a more healthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was there that I started practicing yoga regularly. I was coming home to New Orleans every weekend. I did not spend one weekend in Baton Rouge. So <laughs> I didn't really give it a full chance. But I, I found this yoga studio that really spoke to me. It actually, it wasn't a studio. It was a class that was outside in Audubon Park. And okay. it felt like freedom when I went there. Like the sun was out. I was breathing. I was moving. I was sweating. And then I felt this just like complete life high when I was done. And I realized that it was something that I needed more of. It was really going to help me in my process of whatever I was going through. I didn't even realize I was going through something. And yeah, that's how yoga came into my life. And it was so wonderful for me that I realized that I needed more of it. And so I ended up doing a yoga teacher training with the studio that I teach at now called Free to Be Power Yoga. And it was really life transforming. I didn't think that I was going to teach yoga. I just thought like, I need more of this in my life. And so I'm going to immerse myself in it and really learn about it. And the first day of training, I knew that I was going to actually teach people yoga. And that was, that was really exciting. Mm-hmm. And after the training was over, it was about six months later that I ended up quitting my job as a lawyer in Baton Rouge. And I decided to start a health coaching program because I had also picked up some health issues from stress related to that job. And I realized that, okay, this is not the jobs that are stressing me out. This is how I'm wired and I'm not doing the right things. Like this is not for me. Mm-hmm. And so it was really my health that made me set aside all of the things that were misaligned in my life so that I could step onto this healing path. And then it was on my healing path, like healing all the health issues from work that I realized, oh, I need to share this with other people. I've been through something really intense, not living according to my own plan and my own interests. And I've done so much damage to my body, my mind, my spirit. It's hard to not live your purpose. It's miserable, I'm realizing. I took myself to the point of burnout and I've spent the last six years really nursing myself back to health, really nurturing myself, learning how to take care of myself, reconnecting to my body because there's something about not living our truth and living according to someone expect, someone else's expectations that takes us out of our bodies and makes us numb. It's like we're denying ourselves and we're leaving part of ourselves. It felt like part of myself was dying at each place that I was not being true to who I was. That can take a real toll mm-hmm. on our health. And it wasn't until I started doing yoga and really reconnected with my body that I started to realize, oh, okay. This is what I've been doing to myself. Not having energy, feeling burnt out means that I don't really have the energy to muster more than more than a little of something that is not aligned with my truth. So I, it's like I have to listen to myself now because I just don't have the energy. I will be totally drained immediately. Um, so that's the gift of burnout. Mm-hmm. Like my, my sensor is very keen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... Um, I've really had to build up my strength, build up my immune system again, build up my energy. And that has looked like 
like a total life transformation, changing my diet, taking a look at my relationships, taking a look at my mindset and how I view stress and how I value myself and how I view success. My decisions, my choices around my career were so fear-based and fear-driven and so focused on lack and not being able to take care of myself. Money became like the motivating factor and that is never enough I've found for myself. It's just, it wasn't enough mm. to keep me going. I had a really high paying job in New York City. I could take trips. I could buy things. Um, I didn't really have money for a huge apartment. I had a 600 square foot <laughs> apartment, but it, it was that's re- New it was York. Really comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's New York. Exactly. It was really comfortable. It was by New York standards. It was like super luxury. And so I was, really giving my life to taking care of myself and like living a lifestyle that allowed me to work the way that I did. And that just didn't make any sense. And so giving up the money to start over was a challenging decision. And it really took a lot of humility, a lot of like letting go of comparison to what everyone else was doing in the path that they're on. Mm. And even still, it comes up for me, like people that are so grounded in their careers. And I feel like I'm still in infancy, like discovering who I am and what I'm meant to do. But so many people also share with me that like my switching careers is really inspiring to them, which really, like I said, I totally forget about the fact that other people need to hear this kind of stuff and to be encouraged because for me it was really like a matter of living Mm -hmm. or like slowly demising into the worst version of myself. In this society where people glamorize busy and burnout and oh I you know I think that there are some people that get a thrill from saying oh I'm so stressed I don't have time to sleep I'm tired because I'm doing this and I'm doing that and they think that that appears to be productive or successful even I think yeah some cases yeah how would you say like what are maybe three questions someone can ask themselves to identify is this really in alignment with your purpose? Is this really who you, you want to be or, or who you think you should be? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think there are, there are, a, few, there are a few things. It's, it's challenging because I felt like I got to the point where I was so overloaded. I didn't, I didn't know what to do or I didn't know how to get to the point of even knowing that something was off. And for me, it was really like how I felt. My body was suffering. I was a little bit, for me, like carrying around extra weight because I didn't have time to exercise. I ate three meals a day at my desk. So like looking at balance, how balanced is your life? Like, are you making time for yourself to self-reflect, to really see how you feel, to connect to your body, to connect to people in your life? to grow. Are you growing? I felt like I wasn't growing where I was. And that was a huge issue for me. I also felt like I became a very singular dimension person. Like all I could do was think about work when I was with other lawyers, or even when I was with my friends, I was constantly checking my Blackberry, not present Mm. and talking about work 
like lawyers who are stressed and busy, you will recognize them because they're going to be talking about their work. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So connecting to your body, taking time to self-reflect and really see how you feel about where you are and where your life is going. Are you experiencing growth? Also, people would ask me what my hobbies were and what I did for fun. I had nothing to tell them. And that was really, (laughs) that was, that was also a huge wake up call that made me feel so bad because I, I really prided myself on being someone who had a very multidimensional life. I had lots of experiences. I traveled, I met interesting people. You um, didn't have and time. I was very grateful and lucky. Right. And I didn't have time to do that. And, and that was really a huge, huge determining factor for me. And switching careers and realizing like I'm not doing what I'm meant to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also, it took a lot for me to, to actually do my work. I didn't feel motivated. I felt very low. I would tell people like a lot of people would roam around the halls looking for a friend to cry to in the middle of the night because they wanted to go home. They needed some comfort. And so we had kind of like a, a circuit. We knew who was going to be there late at night. We'd go <laughs> into people's offices and have a moment of of crying and compassion, maybe a dance party or something like that um, for a few minutes. But it became really, I was so low, it came, it became really challenging to get to a better place. The last thing I would say is to really look at the spaces around you and start to clean up your spaces, start to eat healthier, start to like physically clean and clear clutter from your office, your home, your car. When we have those clear spaces, we're able to think better, the energy is able to flow better, and we can be more in touch with how we feel. Like we don't have the constant stimulus, things that we're looking at, things that we're feeling, um, just, just leaves us in a better, more clear state so we can actually know what we feel and our feelings can be a compass to point us in the in the right direction. The thing that I really want to, uh, before I let you go, have you explain to people is in those moments of transition, when you know I'm making this decision for my health, I know that this is a better decision for me, but there is a lot less money involved. And there is sometimes the the thoughts of, oh, my peers are at this place. I'm at this place. You know, I'm still figuring things out. They seem like they're so clear and certain. How do you stay motivated and, and positive and um, encouraged to continue on the path? That sometimes can be an ugly process and, and messy and, and uncomfortable. Um, how, yes, it's how all do, those things. Yes. How do you keep going in that direction when you feel like deep down, this is the direction you should be going in or that you even, you know, and, and we said we're going to stop saying the should, but this is the direction you want to go in. This is the direction mm-hmm. you feel most inclined to go in, but it doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look good. It, it, doesn't yeah. even, it doesn't even look like sometimes it, it, it makes you question, is this right? Am I, am I feeling, right. you know, is this the right feeling? Yeah. I don't know. I'm getting confused based on how it's looking. Yeah. Um, I would say you're, you're so right about all those things. It is a very 
challenging process. And it's in those challenges that we become the best version of ourselves. So I would say expect the challenges. Like we're letting go of expectations, but that is one that is certain and that you will definitely face. Expect the challenges and have a support system that is solid, whether that is your family or a friend group, people that are experiencing the same thing or similar transitions that you're going through, or a spiritual community. These are great places to really source strength from when you're feeling uncertain and full of doubt and really believing in yourself. Like I really had to be gentle with myself to allow myself to let go of these expectations, to let go of like all of the identity that I had wrapped around being a lawyer and I'm still releasing it. Like um, I had been referring to myself as a recovering lawyer, and the other day I was kind of like, "No, I need to, I need to drop that." Like I let it go, let doing, it go. Yes, I need to let it go. And it's a process. It's like I, I had to celebrate that version of me. I had to mourn her. I had to like be in some intense fights with her. I had, I had to go through this process of acknowledging how. I disrespected her and how I wronged her and reconcile with myself and my process and self-reflect and really be willing to see myself in a different way mm-hmm. because on the other side of all of that, and I, and I always felt this to be true. Um, I'm a happy, joyful, loving person. And that wasn't coming out in the work that I was doing that was really being masked and really that part of me was being shut off and like knowing that there was a better version of me on the other side really kept me going and it's still keeping me going like I'm becoming this person that like I really am feeling myself like I'm doing a great job I am really stretching myself I've come so far so really just be being an encouraging voice to myself even despite the doubts and and things like that has been really powerful for me and a beautiful process of becoming the best version of myself and really seeing how when I live and walk that path, I make an impact on others. And that was really, that's been my prayer since since I moved back home. Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't really helping people when I was in New York. I was leasing and registering and helping to finance aircraft. Yes, people need to go places and travel. That's great. But I was so far removed. I wasn't really feeling very connected to the work that I was doing. So being able to work with people, to share my healing journey with them, and to really make an impact on their lives in whatever way is so fulfilling, like regardless of what I'm going through and the challenges that I'm facing, uh, it feels good to know that my growth is helping someone else to grow. I'm really grateful. And I recognize that it's through those experiences that I got to where I am today and that I had to experience those things in order to be able to do the work that I'm doing. And the expectations, while they can be really damaging if we live into them too much, they're also an opportunity to learn from someone else's perspective to have someone say here I want to open this part of the world to you and have you try it and 
I got to experience some really amazing things. I got to meet some great people. I got to um, have myself stretched in ways that I never would have done myself. And it's also a way for us to help us know who we're not. So once we try on those experiences, if we can take them in, take an assessment and say, you know what, that doesn't work for me. From there, we start to discover, okay, this is not me. And we can deepen into who we really are. And so expectations can have a really positive side. And we can also bow out a little bit more gracefully than I did um, a little bit sooner before burnout. I want Kim to help me make my transition. How does someone get in touch <laughs> with you for coaching or for private yoga classes? How do they reach you? Uh, the best way to reach me is over email. My email address is just my name, Kimberly Doley at gmail.com or you can find me on instagram my instagram handle is kimberly 3d all right and i will have all of that information in the show notes as well i hope you enjoyed this episode of the lonnie swain show podcast please visit me at lonnieswain.com where you can sign up for my monthly newsletter check out companion blog posts show notes events and other cool stuff plus if you enjoyed the podcast don't forget to rate review subscribe and share available on apple Podcasts, google play music stitcher anchor fm and soundcloud until next time go where you are celebrated and appreciated not just tolerated i'll talk to you soon